Hello, and welcome to Rise of the Data Cloud. Today's episode features an interview with Anita Lynch, Vice President of Data Governance at Disney Streaming. Anita has a very impressive background, having held leadership positions at some of tech's biggest companies, including Apple, Yahoo, and Amazon. On this episode, Anita talks about the importance of first-party data, the nuances of data governance and privacy, how to prioritize data, and much more. So please enjoy this interview between Anita Lynch and your host, Steve Hamm. Anita, it's great to have you on the podcast today. It's so great to be here, Steve. And it's been a while since I've seen you in person. So I'm thrilled actually to hear your voice and connect with you this way. Yeah, I think it was a year and a half ago. It seems five years. It's been a crazy time here. It has. It's such an eventful year. Yeah. So let's talk about Disney and, and your industry. Disney is going through a rapid transformation in this era of streaming media and entertainment services. So how is streaming changing the way the company gathers and integrates data and how it governs those activities? Absolutely. So at the heart of Disney's transformation is truly wanting to understand our direct-to-consumer relationships, and in particular, customers' viewing preferences when it comes to our content on Hulu and on Disney+. Mm. We have a very strong focus now on first-party data, and in particular, in my role for data governance, the protection of that first-party data. So, you know, we are striving to understand how we can potentially improve our relationships with our customers by understanding their interaction with the Disney streaming products. And by gleaning those customer insights, we also want to respect and be careful about the preferences, their consumer preferences that they've shared with us. So governance helps us to centralize that capability and also helps us to mobilize the customer lifetime value that we create through those direct-to-consumer relationships. I know that data governance is a really important issue for a lot of the companies that we've talked to on the podcast, but this is the first one where we've really taken it on kind of straight. So it would be great if you would help by what's your best definition of data governance? Sure. Our definition of governance has actually evolved a little bit. So in my current role, which includes for Disney streaming, all of Disney+, Plus, ESPN+, and Hulu, we now define data governance as being inclusive of four key capabilities. Data quality, which includes everything from data catalog and thinking about lineage to the way that orchestration and pipelines are built and the end-to-end kind of quality assurance in our systems. The second thing is data privacy. So That is compliance-focused and basically deals with internal and external regulations around sensitive data sets that we may have access to, as well as the consumer preferences that dictate how we use it. Data security, and in particular, how data is encrypted, anonymized, I think, uh, to the the way that we think about the value proposition for Disney streaming and direct-to-consumer at Disney. And this really involves the secure transport and use of data across business lines and partners. I, I love your definition of data governance. I think it's nice and crisp and complete. Why is data governance so important 
in this era of streaming media and entertainment services. And here I'm talking not just about Disney, but like the whole industry and, and really beyond. Yeah, absolutely. Disney really thinks about data governance in terms of the four capabilities that I talked about. The reason why we have data governance as a standalone function, and this is a trend that I'm starting to see more and more across the industry, is because data really does inform every major decision that we make in our business. And thinking about our ability to instrument so much of the consumer and customer behavior that happens as more and more of the media world goes to streaming and as more and more of all of the all of the ways that different industries are leveraging data um, you know starts to increase the amount of data that they're collecting, instrumenting and collecting and storing in the cloud. The ability to govern that data and to know what data is going to actually be useful in making decisions is key. Modernizing the tech stack for data overall is part of the way that we ensure that we can scale. And Snowflake has definitely been a key part of that. But we we aim to use all of the information that's available to us across all the different systems operating or analytics uh, based and really want to maximize our ability to understand and create real commercial impact with that information. You know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm thinking back in kind of the history of business. There's a famous quote. I think it's something like half of the money you spend on marketing and advertising is wasted. You just don't know which half. It seems to me <laughs> It seems to me that we're at a moment where that is, it no longer has to be true, that this is really a transformational moment in communications and marketing and, and all that kind of stuff. Do you agree with that or is, am I going a little wacky here? I do agree with it. I am familiar with that, although I don't know who originally said it or where it came from, but it's always made me chuckle. I think it's not just a marketing issue. I think all data that is collected is not necessarily created equal. And it's sometimes hard to know, especially if you're looking into the world of machine learning and artificial intelligence, when you're trying to label data, it's really hard to know where the valuable data, the most valuable data is going to going to live at the outset. And so even though it's relatively cheap to keep all this data, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be equally beneficial to keep all of the data. So it's something I think about a lot with my team. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let's talk about your role and also your the arc of your career. If I'm correct, I think you started off as an engineer, but if you could tell us where you came from and, and how you got to data governance, I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I did start out as a developer in startups in the late 90s, the tech boom 1.0, if you will, when all of Silicon Valley was just completely lit up with funding for pretty much every and any business model under the sun. I had a ton of fun building web applications at that time in the sort of early stages of uh, the internet. And when I finally realized that it's not just about the technology, it's also about the business model and the customer problems that you're solving, that's when I decided to go to business school. So I got my MBA and then came back to technology after working as a management consultant, actually, at Bain for a while, came back to technology doing kind of hybrid biz tech roles until the cloud really came along and transformed the way that uh, we do business at the enterprise level. And so from there, 
I uh, worked at iTunes at Apple. I also did some work for Yahoo and led a data team at Amazon and then came to Disney initially through the Disney ABC television group side and found my way to Disney streaming because it just made sense. Most of my career had been spent on building out and launching, helping to launch new businesses as part of large scale enterprises and growing them very quickly. And that was the digital transformation that Disney leadership was targeting at the time that I joined. And so I was just thrilled to be able to participate in it. Yeah. And then data about, governance. Sorry, yeah, you asked. Yeah. yeah. So How data governance. That? Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So data governance, as I said, historically, in my experience, had not been a separate function. It was this uh, nebulous, you know, kind of concept where across the data organization, everyone had a stake in it. And it was only recently that I started to see data governance as a separate function. And I was given the opportunity to lead data governance at Disney Streaming, which I thought was phenomenal. And it really crystallized the way that I could bring together business impact and technology impact and really talented, skilled uh, data folks who were also passionate about not only helping to organize and curate the data that's going to be most useful to make business decisions, but also thinking through the overall kind of distribution of, and monetization and strategy around data. And so that's why I think data governance is really starting to uh, take a foothold. Yeah. 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 And uh, you talked, you briefly mentioned your team. Now, does your team, do you have a person in each of those services or how is it structured? How do you go at it? Yeah, so we actually think about the entire Disney streaming portfolio as those four key capabilities. And then I have people on my team that basically own each one of those areas. But then there are cross-functional sort of SWAT teams that we use to rotate skills around and we partner collectively across the broader data organization for analytics and data technology, which is like our data engineering group. And we have a data product group as well. So there's a lot of partnership and collaboration that goes into governance. And in particular, I would say as a leader, I think one of the most interesting challenges about data governance is the way that we manage and wield influence without authority, because mm -hmm. the, yeah, because the the business really wants to focus on the business questions that they are trying to answer. And it's our job to help mobilize and empower them. And some of that requires looking around corners and anticipating the types of uh, questions that they may be asking, as well as understanding the infrastructure and some of the other sort of service level and other challenges that might occur and making sure that we anticipate those and are partnering to make sure that those are resourced correctly as well. Yeah. 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 Now, when we did meet about a year and a half ago, it was just before COVID started and we had no idea what was looming. It is freaky to think back on that. But mm -hmm. one of the things that we talked about is trust. And my sense is that in some ways you play the role of trust guardian for the company. What are the big issues involving trust and brand protection today? And how do you approach those? Yeah, it's interesting. I Trust today means so much more to me from a leadership standpoint. In addition to the, the trust of the brand, I think when we're 
talking about governance now, one of the biggest challenges that I'm facing is really trying to think through for the team, how can we actually ensure that we're going to be able to continue to perform and deliver? Because the only way that we can preserve our customers' trust is actually by making sure that we're still collaborating and operating efficiently as a team. And in this kind of remote work and distributed uh, environment, that's actually become a huge challenge. And so I've been doing a lot of reading in this area. And one really impactful work that I've come across is Dal Neely's book called Remote Work Revolution, where she talks about trust as a learning curve that individuals and teams are on, where it's a continuum, you know, rather than a binary, do we have trust or do we not? And so I think this this framework is actually useful, you know, for teams as well as you're thinking about it from the customer perspective. Sadal is a, I, I believe she's a professor at, at Harvard Business School, and she's done about 20 years of research on this topic of remote work. And it came out in this book at the perfect time for COVID. It's taught me about different types of trust that teams need to develop. She refers to them as being cognitive and emotional, but really it's just your ability to look at someone's background and know who they are professionally and partner with them for the sake of getting work done versus the more human way that we develop emotional trust, which is over a series of repeated interactions and behaviors, but that becomes so much more difficult during this distributed work environment. And so teams need both to function. And so as a leader thinking through how we create in the products that we are building for data internally, as well as customer-facing products, and then thinking about the different levers that are available to build trust continually as things continue to evolve in our products. That's really the where I spend the most, the bulk of my time as a leader right now. Yeah. Now, in your role at Disney, you have to keep this delicate balance, it seems. You want to deliver these personalized experiences. People want those, and they want those personalized interactions with the brand, with the services yet you don't want them to feel like their privacy is being compromised. How do you achieve that balance, especially since for each individual, they may have a different spot where they're comfortable? <laughs> Absolutely. We're always focusing on how to better understand and, and offer an opportunity to our customers in terms of choice and control for their viewing experience. And the the best uh, example of this I, th I can think of is obviously if you're a Star Wars fan, like I'm a huge fan of The Mandalorian, you want to make sure that if seeing an ad for The Mandalorian or getting some sort of in-app messaging around The Mandalorian, if that makes sense and enhances the experience, then that's something that we can deliver. But if someone has opted out of wanting to basically have their you know, information used for those purposes that they actually have a really easy to find way to do that. And so we've done both. Yeah. No, that sounds great. When and why did Disney begin moving its computing and also its data to the cloud? And what's the role of the data cloud in all of this data governance thinking and, and, and structuring that you're doing? Sure. Data governance, as I said before, it delivers a lot of value for Disney streaming and data sharing is really at the heart of how we, how we make our, our decisions across the company. By moving our data to the cloud, we don't have to worry about having these multiple sources of the truth. And there was a lot of data going into the cloud prior to direct to consumer, but 
we became very much more strategic about it with the, you know, evolution of Disney streaming and direct to consumer. So having, having a single source of the truth in our, in our data cloud is really how we're moving forward with that strategy at this time. The data is available. It's easily accessible for all of our partners. So we can trust that it's compliant and up to date. Oh yeah, that's a really cool. It really addresses all four of your elements, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. In a sense, it makes them simpler. Exactly. It definitely makes it simpler for everyone. And I think above all else, our data engineering partners appreciate that capability because it lessens the amount of time that they have to spend orchestrating and organizing uh, and building out pipelines to deliver a bunch of different data from different sources, simply because there's confusion about what the best source of data is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I want to drill down a little bit here into this, this point. Can you give us a couple of examples of how you're using the data cloud to govern the use of data and what kind of results are you getting? Sure. So, you know, as I said before, the data cloud allows us to have a single source of truth, but going beyond that, it's really truly like a single copy of data. So um, it really through having a single copy of the data, it enables and ensures our ability to scale and gives us a lot of flexibility in the way that we prioritize workloads. It gives us the opportunity to better support our business intelligence and analytics partners, our data science partners, our machine learning partners, and the use cases that they're continuing to evolve. They don't have to worry about sacrificing on resources or costs. We were able to really think about the design and customize methods to enable easy data sharing in the cloud using data clean rooms and data discovery that ensures data is able to be found and and easily understood. We have a data catalog that we're using. And then obviously our our partner data management for collaboration outside of our team across the company is also super important. And we have to think about, as I said, the, the ways that consumer preferences factor into that. And it's really been a useful, uh, mechanism for that as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure all of the listeners know what a data clean room is. So if you could describe that. that and how sure. Works, yeah. Great. Data clean room sounds really fancy, but really it's just leveraging secure data sharing with a, a custom function on top that can take a parameterized query and evaluate the results of that query without actually just directly delivering the result. It evaluates them and just determines how and whether and when to actually provide the results so that re-identification or de-anonymization doesn't become an issue in use cases where it's really important. We try to keep our data, as I said, as, as mobile as possible, but there are scenarios when we you know, have to make sure that we have some um, restrictions in place. And so that's what data clean rooms enable. Yeah. I wanted to, I mean, we always like to talk Talk about like challenges and how they're overcome. Could you talk a little bit about as the company and as your piece of it has been moving more and more computing and more and more data to the cloud? Have you encountered any challenges in designing and managing data governance, just the nuts and bolts of it? And how have you overcome them? Yeah, absolutely. As I said before, 
we are capturing a tremendous amount of really rich data that we've been able to instrument for in our um, direct-to-consumer experiences that Disney streaming is creating, uh, you know, through Disney Plus in particular. But the most important challenges that we've been facing have been in the remote work environment and in mm. working as a distributed team. So, you know, again, you know, the just kind of thinking about trust as a learning curve and the ways that individuals and teams continue to collaborate and then the way we think about our holistic relationship with our customers in terms of building trust has really been where we've put a lot of thought leadership into a lot of thought into how we broker that. In particular, how we think about email, video, Slack, other modes of communication fitting into people's daily routines and lives. I think it's so important to take the additional time to be curious about and understand what our customers operating daily routines might be, their cultural context might be, and also internally for our teams collaborating together, asking directly or just maybe even through self-reflection, understanding how we are partnering together and the different ways that those experiences, the digital experiences that we're using to communicate with each other, even you and I over Zoom right now, it's different than our in-person conversation, right, Steve? So thinking through how to build trust over these digital mediums is, um, you know, it can be difficult. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. One of my gigs is I'm involved in a global collaboration that emerged in, during COVID, really around using systems thinking and modeling and some AI research tools to come up with ideas about sustainability and resilience that would set the world on a better course. It's 100% virtual. Almost no one in the group, and there are hundreds of people, has ever met anyone else. Wow. And it's so it, you have to re rethink culture. And uh, mm -hmm. in some ways, accessibility, it makes it, you know, easier to see people and see their faces and talk to them. But obviously it's not the same as working in a team. So I really think there's a lot, there's a lot of governance of our collaborative virtual workspaces that has to take place. And I think you talked about that with the remote work revolution book. So it's really fascinating. Yeah. Hey, uh, I wondered, you talked about how data governance has really emerged in your view. You, you recognize that, oh, this is a role, this is a domain. Is there a club of data governance people like yourself in the in your industry or broader that you're in touch with and helping to shape the thinking? Uh, Steve, if only. Hoping that there would be one. And I even tried to start one for a while mm. in Clubhouse, but surprisingly, there really wasn't a ton of um, excitement about it. I think even though there are quite a few headlines that are eye-catching um, about this, we haven't quite gotten to the point where the average everyday person knows what data governance is as a function. They understand kind of data privacy because it's something that's coming up more and more, but I would love to start one. Do you want to start one with me? Let's do it. Well, I'm probably not the right person, but... <laughs> I think revolutions start with a manifesto. And I think you may be the person to write that manifesto. Uh -oh, because let me think about it. <laughs> if you write the manifesto, then people say, oh, do we agree? Do we disagree? And you, it creates a discussion that could turn into, could be good. Yeah. I'm not sure I'll be writing a manifesto, but what I will say is that I think that the future, you talked about the organization that you're a part of. I think the future for artificial intelligence is really thinking through how to provide these virtual assistant 
type capabilities to people. And we see this in movies and futuristic things all the time where the overall kind of notion that the internet is a huge place and most of us only really interact with a very small part of it. So if you think of it as a massive opportunity to create tools like virtual assistants that can help people uh, navigate, you know, that space, that that domain, and do so in a way that's going to position the person that they're assisting in the best way possible and protect their interests, so to speak, and help them look out for their their interests. I think that's a really interesting kind of thought exercise to do around what the future is going to hold for technology. And if I were investing in this space, I think that's really an area that has um, caught my attention because it's really um, important to have people who are thinking about this inside of different organizations like myself. But I think it's even more important to kind of have innovators and entrepreneurs thinking about ways that they can help to develop these capabilities and and really push, push the envelope, push things forward in that space. Yeah, we've been talking about digital assistants since, well, Apple Newton. You know, and before, there were clearly ideas before. I mean, there was computer, really, on Star Trek, right? (laughs) Oh, that's right. But, you know, the the funny thing is you've really got to, if you're going to have a digital assistant who's really helpful to you, they really have to know you. They do. So that's where we get into the tricky part. Yeah. 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 And humans, we are a curious uh, beast, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. So the next segment, we want to talk more about the future. So what do you think are the most important trends in data governance in the next year or so? Yeah, obviously, I think the overall industry right now is just seeing a huge wave of digital transformation and more and more kind of commerce coming through digital, more and more focus on the ability to deliver digital experiences due to COVID. And everyone who can is working remotely and and has been doing that for some time. So at the front and center of how people think about their personal data and their understanding of their internet presence, everything from buying groceries online to tracking kids' education to managing social interactions. With all of that moving online this past year, I think sensitivity about data is becoming um, a bigger challenge um, for companies to face. And I'm glad that we have this higher kind of awareness of data and the different problems that can uh, be created if people are not sensitive to it at all levels and what kinds of protections need to be in place. I think that's something that we're going to continue to see uh, focus on over the next couple of years. And in, in particular, data governance, there's an aspect of it that's really leading into data security and cybersecurity as well. And that's something that I'm also starting to spend more time on. Yeah. <music> I see the future. What a fascinating modern age we live in. Is this what the future holds? Now, this is a little tricky because things are changing so fast, but I want you to put on your visionary cap now. Look out five years or more. 
how do you see you know, the data cloud and data governance impacting business and society? That's interesting. I, I spend some time talking about this with my friends occasionally. And I think that, as I said before, artificial intelligence is really something that needs to be taken from the realm of what's possible to the realm of what's absolutely necessary in order mm. to just do business. I think there's also this notion that, as we said before, digital assistants really need to have a comprehensive understanding of who we are as people in order to assist us. And there's this nefarious element because science fiction has done things with that notion that I think make some people afraid of data, but forecasting individual behavior is something that's happening, whether we like it or not. So we have to start being more proactive about thinking through ways that can become a positive as opposed to some of the more reactive approaches that I think have been taken most recently. I'm also just excited to see from an enterprise software perspective, what happens to companies like Snowflake, where they're really building capabilities that help us think through different ways to make data um, more effective and getting to insights more quickly. And I'm you know, thrilled to actually be a part of a community that's as forward-looking as it is. It's interesting. In, when you were answering, something occurred to me, and maybe I think that was your point, the data governance issues and AI governance, which is also could be called AI ethics, yep. those are emerging because the who's going to be acting? What who's the actor on the data? In the future, it's more and more these AI agents. And we so we have to govern them. And the the field that you're in seems to me is one of the most important fields in computing and in society. And uh, so you got to write that manifesto. There we are again. You brought it full circle. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, Steve. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I'm, awesome. I'm going to stop now. I'm not going to, I'm not going to badger you anymore. <laughs> For your information, there's a lot more to ogres than people think. Really need to dig deep and get to know the real you. In the real up close and personal. Now we've come to the end. And at the end, we often ask these kind of personal fun questions. We'd like to go out on a, on a lighter note. Okay. And so the question is, I hear you are at Disney with all these wonderful streaming services and all this, these great stories. So how do you use streaming services in your own life? You mentioned Mandalorian before, and I, I think I've read in some of the articles that you really like it. So if you could, what do you watch and how do you consume the stuff personally? So I've been a, a lifelong Star Wars fan. So the Mandalorian actually brought back to me some of the pieces of my childhood that I had started to almost forget about. Because for me, those movies, you know, came out when I was a very young kid and different parts of the story brought to to life in The Mandalorian and the way that it unveiled each Friday night episode after episode was just really, it was amazing to me. It was just, it was a very kind of emotional, actual connection for me. But lately I've been watching more of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like I really got into WandaVision in particular. I started watching it every Friday night and rolled right into the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But I'm actually extremely excited to to watch Loki. It should be premiering in a few weeks. 
Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, I guess this has been true for a long time, but whenever I meet people these mm-hmm. days, we get out now, we, we talk to each other face-to-face, but we're always asking her, what are you watching? Everybody wants to know, what's the, what are you watching streaming? What's the, what series are you watching? And there's real passion about it. And I think in terms of quality, there's tremendous uh, quantity, but in terms of quality, I can't think of a time when television or as we experience television now, wherever, through any device, anywhere, has been as uh, the quality has been as good. It's really, you'd think when it splinters like this, there wouldn't be enough resources for quality, but there clearly is. And it's cool. I'm thrilled to hear you say that. And I hope that Disney Plus has contributed to raising that quality bar overall. I like to think that it did. Yeah, oh, I think so. I think so. Hey, this has been a it's been a great conversation. Nice to meet you again, at least virtually. Yeah. And I think the way you're going at data governance is really inspiring and also important, as I said. I think dividing it into those buckets, those clear buckets of quality, privacy, security, and sharing, I think really it's good for your company and I think it's good for your customers. And I think it would be really good if Everybody did that and really took it. Put somebody in that role. I think we need people like you all through business. So hopefully that'll happen. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. The Data Cloud World Tour is making 21 stops around the globe so you can learn about the latest innovations at Snowflake's Data Cloud at a venue near you. Join your fellow data leaders at one of our full-day events to network with Snowflake customers and technology partners, attend educational breakout sessions, and learn how to drive more value from your data. Find an event near you at www.snowflake.com data cloud world tour.